Ladies and gentlemen, we're back again with the Fight Stance Podcast. We're going to be covering UFC 228 and a few other topics. JC, what's going on, man? Well, first off, let's apologize for recording this so late because you had to sleep all day because you didn't get no sleep last night. Uh, Yeah, because I work. I don't know if you know uh, what that's like. Uh, Yeah, I work, man. <laughs> I I flew a red eye in last night that's that's how that works man there's not much i could do about that i actually had off originally and then i picked this flight up i picked this trip up uh so i was able to fly in last night got in around 7 seven thirty or so but yeah i needed that sleep there was no way i you you could you feel the energy through the text there was no way that i was gonna be able yeah, this, to this is like at every <laughs> podcast thing every time we got the time difference with you flying in from the Pacific yeah. Pacific time, and then it's just it's just always a mess trying to scramble this together. But the goal was to get this around noon, and here it is, almost eight o'clock, and we're starting it up. So yeah, you'll be all right. You'll be all right. <laughs> Look, that's you know, if if you want the best talent in the world, you got to wait. You know it's what just, I mean? It's just a couple of a couple of busy lives going on. Yeah. Now, in all seriousness, we both work a lot. We both have a lot on our plate. JC even more than I, to be honest with you. I uh, I just knew that if I came in with the, I just worked a red eye flight energy, it wasn't gonna go well. You fall and I, before the car. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah, the, the sleep stance podcast is not happening. Sleep stance podcast. All right, so what are we getting into this uh, UFC 228 card we got coming up in, in two days here? Yeah, let's jump right into the card, man. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a deep card. Um, Starting off with, uh, we start. We got Zabit on the card. Oh, yeah. Uh, disappointing that he's not fighting against Yair anymore. He's fighting Brandon Davis, but obviously a future superstar. Um. I'm not sure how many fights he has under his UFC belt right now, but uh, maybe three or so. But another chance for us to see a f- guaranteed future champion. Damn, you calling, it out? you calling it out like that? Guaranteed mm. future champion. I'm not sold yet, but you know me. I'm never sold. Never sold. Never sold right away. But yeah, absolutely. I, I think he's championed by sometime in 2020. Mm. Okay. That's fair. Yeah, and I just saw right before we went on here that apparently he wants, uh, you know, they're asking him as if he's looking past this opponent, but apparently he wants either Jose Aldo mm-hmm. or maybe even more so Chad Mendez as his next opponent. Yeah, I mean, I feel like Jose Aldo does more for him because Jose's a bigger name, though Chad Mendez does more for me personally and the rest of the MMA community because I feel like he really shows that a wrestler is not going to negate him. Yeah. If he can beat Chad Mendez, he shows, unless he KOs him early in the first round, just clips him. But if he's able to go <clears throat> three rounds with Chad Mendez, he shows a high level wrestler is not going to negate how, his striking. How much taller is he than Chad Mendez? Probably seven inches. Yeah, he's got to be at least six, he's, seven inches. Because Chad's what, like five? Six or five? Listed five six. Yeah, he's, he's a five, short guy. Five, he's one of the five, shortest yeah. in the division. Yeah, and Zabit's a good Zabit's six one. one. <laughs> yes, I think Zabit is six so, one. So, uh, definite height advantage. But yeah, it'd be a fun fight. Sucks. We're kind of looking past Brandon Davis, but 
it's hard not to it's, right like the hype train that it's not yeah yeah that's what everybody wanted yeah that would have been amazing and i feel like zabit's definitely uh missing out on that opportunity though uh if i if you're Zabit, would you even want to rebook Yair with all the nonsense of of Yair getting cut? And nah. Dana clearly doesn't like Yair. After all this, you yeah. know how Dana is. There's a there's a pretty permanent rift going on there. Yeah, Zabit should definitely look elsewhere, and I feel like Chad is the way to go. Me personally. Yeah. Um. But yeah, that's that's gonna be a fun one. Uh, Jessica Andrade and Carolina Kovalkovich. I. <sighs> I don't want to overlook Carolina striking, but I feel like Andrade is just so powerful and she's not as reckless as she was before. I feel like in her last few fights, uh, you know, she showed that she's not running full steam ahead, though she has that steam to get it done and she has that power. What she was able to do against Claudia was very impressive. Uh, she beat Tisha Torres. I mean, there's a decision wins, but she's showing good cardio. She's go. She's showing high pace, high striking, and I just don't see many girls being just bull stronger than her. It's definitely like a clash of two different styles. Yeah, which but, I like. Um, something that uh, another one of my friends pointed out is that he said Carolina just doesn't seem to have that like killer instinct when she fights. Mm, true. She's kind of. I mean, she's super technical. Yes. Um. Andrade is the little the little pit bull, the little a, a bully, mm-hmm. and it's it's completely different styles. But Carolina just um, more picks at her opponent, I guess. And uh, Jessica Andrade likes to run right through them. So, um, oh God, I don't I I don't know who to pick. I kind of would like to see Carolina win. Yeah, but uh, I'm probably gonna lean on Andrade. Yeah, I got Andrade by decision. I think she just outpaces her. I think Carolina does land. Uh, but then again, everyone lands on Andrade. Andrade is not really known for her defense. She's known for high output, being a bully, and uh, you know, really imposing her will throughout the fight and not letting those punches uh, wobble her. She's got a hell of a chin on her. It's got a um, another component to this is whoever wins likely gets Rose. Yeah, Carolina's ranked shot. number four and uh, Andrade is ranked number two. So, who's number one? Joanna still? Yeah. Yeah, so it's not going to be yeah, Joanna. So it's going to be one of these girls. Um, Tisha. Yeah, I, it's tough to sell Joanna Rose three. It really is. Right. So, for right now, we need some movement in the division. I don't want to see Rose lose her belt, though. You know, you talk about this a lot. A lot of times you get that situation where you have people get back-to-back shots. You know, Cody's an example. People get back-to-back shots at getting their title back and it doesn't work. So, I'm looking at the the undercard, the pre, the prelims. Um, a fight that stands out, Jimmy Rivera against John Dodson. That's a fun one. <laughs> I want to point out, <laughs> have you seen John Dodson lately? Yeah, bro. I, I think know. you sent me that one photo of him at the camp. I yeah. I, I don't know if I sent it to you or if I put it on Twitter, <laughs> but my man, he's got. I don't do know. If, I don't know if things are that bad over at the Jackson Wink camp <laughs> that this man can't get a fifteen dollar haircut. Looking like a homeless bodybuilder. But oh my goodness, is he struggling? It's <laughs> yeah. He's got the the Stephen A. Smith <laughs> going on. 
<laughs> he's got Yo, he's got to do something there, quick. He looks like a, a five foot two Stephen A. Smith. Yeah, give somebody get my man a haircut. Uh, it's, Winkle it's, John, stop being so stingy with the money over there. Give my man a haircut. Oof, but, it's uh, rough. That's it's that's, not looking great. That's that is a great fight. Uh, see, uh, Aljamain Sterling, Cody Stamen, Aljo. That's that's gonna be a good one. That's a good one. I don't know what that really does for his career, but I guess Aljo's just vying for some uh, some time, you know, in the octagon. You know, he's just trying to get in and just prove himself. You know, so for right now, I feel like Aljo. I hope Aljo takes this because after that Marais KO, God. It's been it's been hard to get that memory out of my mind. It really has been. Yeah, yeah. Um, Aljo is one of my favorites. You know, I love everybody out of the Sarah camp. Oh, oh yeah. But uh, yeah, man, Cody Stamen's a beast as well. So that's no, gonna be a good about one. Him. Not gonna lie. And to uh, just a a slight mention: if you haven't watched Charles Bird, um, I saw him on. Dana White's Tuesday Night Contender Series, as well as the the most recent, was it Liverpool or one of those England cards? Mm-hmm. But he's he's a name that I remember that uh, I I really enjoyed watching him fight, and he's got a lot of talent. So uh, keep an eye on that fight as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, Carla Esparza and Tatiana Suarez. Ooh, I like this one. I feel like Suarez is kind of the future of this division. A lot of people do. She's big for the division. <clears throat> She's strong as hell. She's one of the only wrestlers that I endorse. You know, I'm I'm not really I'm very striker biased, and I have no problem admitting that. And uh, since her season of tough, I haven't had any issues with supporting her style of fighting and the way that she secures her victories. I feel like, you know, she's only seven and zero right now. Maybe she has a lot to learn, though. This is the kind of fight that tells you whether or not uh, she's learning. Tells you whether or not she's ready for the upper echelon. Carla Sparza is one of the OGs of and, women's MMA. You know, Carla Sparza is also a wrestler. Um, yeah, Tatiana is just true. a much bigger wrestler. Exactly. Um, but I feel like a lot of people are looking past Carla. Mm. Um, I am not into the betting world, though I saw that Tatiana was heavily favored mm. um, in this fight. Uh, I think only Shevchenko is favored more, mm-hmm. out of, you know, out of anybody on the card. But uh, Tatiana's a minus five fifty or maybe more, and um, you got to remember, Carla Esparza just went and lost to Claudia in a split decision, and a lot of people thought that she won that fight. I, I thought that. I thought that Carla won that fight. Yeah, I'm a huge fan I, of Claudia, and I 100 percent thought that Claudia lost that fight. I well, looking back, I I mean I thought that Claudia won it, but it was the way that it was won mm. that I was like, eh, you know, it's a, it's a toss up. I don't even care who wins this fight. Yeah, and um, I mean either way, whether you went to a split with Claudia or you you should have beaten her or whatever, mm-hmm. um, that really says something. And if a girl like Tatiana has that much of an advantage over someone that went toe to toe with Claudia. I mean, people believe that she's a beast. Yeah, I believe it. I, I believe in the hype. 
I'm uh, I'm endorsing Tatiana Suarez for future champion, and we'll see if she can get through. These are these these are the fights that I get really excited about. Is the uh, the changing of the guard <clears throat> style yeah. fights? You know, yeah, it's it's an OG against a a young up and comer. Yeah, I'm a fan. Um, the co-main. Yeah, man, let's talk about this title fight. Uh, the world is saying prepare the casket for Montana. Prepare the and, casket. And I don't want to follow suit. I want to find something that tells me, no, Shevchenko will be surprised because of this or because of that. I can't find it. I legitimately <laughs> did some research. I tried to find, maybe I should have tried to find a hole in Shevchenko's game instead of trying to find what uh, Montana is going to be able to exploit. Better bring but, a magnifying glass. It's tough, did you, man. Did you watch? Uh, did you watch Countdown yet? Yeah, I watched the Countdown. Yeah, you saw where Nico's training. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So that's I was waiting for that moment too. When you, you said that, I was like, let me try to find this. If moment. you haven't watched Countdown, uh, Nico trains in Albuquerque, so they'll show the the Jackson Wink gym, and then they'll go down the street <laughs> <laughs> to this makeshift gym down the street. Now the people that run it also run king of the cage promotion mm-hmm. but when i saw them all lined up like it was a an aerobics class that's honestly that's what i thought of. <laughs> it looked like an aerobics class did, with this right? old lady teaching it and she was the the coach she used to fight though man. she did but the way that she's teaching this class it looks like they're gonna do step aerobics <laughs> and i'm like what am i watching here yeah it didn't look great i've never great. i've observed and been to many gyms i've never seen anything like what i witnessed in that video yeah so um <laughs> i don't know that was just that was just interesting and she's the champion she's yeah well i mean that's the thing right like when you think about a champion level fighter you think about the performance institute J- jackson wing king's mma you know you think about these high level gyms and training facilities and you think about the kind of pay that these fighters should be getting because they're champion and that allows them to train at these facilities. Nico's showing that she has a loyalty, which I got to respect, though. How is she going to be able to withstand one round with Shevchenko if that's the kind of training she's getting? I don't know. I, uh, I posted a picture of Shevchenko the other day. It was in her octagon interview after she beat can't even remember her name uh brazilian her last opponent mm-hmm. someone that had no business being in there with her mm-hmm. and uh, whoever is conducting the interview is standing there speaking to her and she has all this blood in her blonde hair mm-hmm. and I was like, this looks like a homicide scene. <laughs> like she left the evidence from the crime scene all over her body. Yeah. That's what it looked like to me. She's just a straight killer. She's beating Holly Holm. She's went to a decision, a split decision with Amanda Nunes. Very close. And now she's moving down and fighting smaller girls. And she says this is her true weight class. Well, yeah, she uh, she's smaller than the she just couldn't girls. make 115. Right. So. It I mean, shows that strawweight has a home, especially, honestly, man, I feel like everybody is going for Shevchenko, not only for her skill set, but because we can see her as champion. We can see her defending the belt multiple times. Yeah. You know, there's a huge, we've been waiting for 125 to open up for a fight like She could have a crazy like run. Yeah, 
She could have she a Joanna level run. Crazy run. Um, especially until girls start shifting around in that division. I mean, mm-hmm. she's gonna, she's gonna. <laughs> we're already, we already pegged her as the winner. Yeah, we need more. <laughs> like promise. it's already over. We just but... need more promise in these new women's divisions. I mean, the featherweight division has ha- hasn't had rankings since it, you know, the inaugural featherweight fight. It's the cyborg division. We've all since forgotten about that. Nobody cares anymore. You know, this is a legitimate division where we're gonna. <clears throat> it's gonna fill out, and uh, she's the face of it, rightfully yeah. so. How about the main event, oh, Woodley versus gosh. Till. I've gone back and forth. I haven't Hasn't done my. Everybody? I haven't done my official picks yet. I'll do my official picks on Twitter probably tomorrow uh, for verdict. I like to wait until weigh-ins to do them, but I might do them before. I don't know. This mm-hmm. one, I feel like I should definitely do for weigh-ins. Other than Till weighing in on weight. Is there any other discrepancy that either of us see? Is there any other Is there any other tell watching the countdown? You know, you just brought up the video of their stare down. It looks like they both had pretty tough weight cuts, but that's no surprise. Yeah. Um, I don't You know, that's the biggest topic is everybody wondering if Till's going to make weight. I yeah. don't have any concern about it. Me either. He's missed weight twice. Mm-hmm. He's made weight every other time. Yeah. I mean, regardless of promotion, from what I know. Yeah. Um, So it's a tough weight cut, but with all this pressure that's on him, I can't see him fucking up again, especially no. in a championship bout. He's been in, uh, I've been following him on like Instagram and stuff like that. He's been in Vegas at the Performance Institute for the last month or so. Yeah. So he's got those nutritionists and the UFC is going to be down his throat to make weight. And I don't foresee it being an issue. But picking the fight is so damn tough. I've been back and forth so many times. I've tried to picture, okay, who can win by TKO? Well, either one of them. Okay, who can win by ground and pound? Either one of them. Who can win by submission? It'll probably be Woodley. Uh, Though, that doesn't help because when I have to make a pick, I can't. And um, to be honest, I've been leaning more towards Till... Because I see this fight ending quickly, and I don't think Woodley can. I don't think Woodley is going to get so, it done quickly. I'm picking Till, but I'm picking Till with my heart. <laughs> not, Here, this argument goes. Not my brain. Yeah, so I'm picking it with my heart because common just, sense versus calculation. I just want to believe in the greatness, in the words. We all do. In his speech, you know, it's I just, very Connor esque. Uh, yeah, it I, really is. I, I want to believe Woodley just has a way of neutralizing these guys, which makes it so tough. And with Till, you, you I don't know what you're gonna get. Um, with Thompson, you know, you, it was very patient. It was a stare down kind of fight. Surprised me, but that's because. He was fighting a counter striker in Thompson, whereas you see him against Cerrone or somebody like that. He he pressured him the whole fight. Yeah. Um. With a guy like Woodley, he's not facing that deadly kind of striker, but he's facing a powerful striker. Yes. So is he going to be scared of that power, or is he going to sit back and be calculated? I think it would be better to go after Woodley. Mm-hmm. Um. Because Woodley has kind of mastered this whole, you know, neutralizing guys and just 
He's so powerful in the clinch, too. You know, he's not a guy that you're going to, I mean, unless you're Nate Marquardt, but that was years ago. You're not going to get him up against the cage and just ragdoll him, you know? He's so strong up underneath, and he's watching uh, Embedded. You said you watched episodes one and two. I believe it was episode two. He talks about his uh, boxing trainer was talking to him about getting up under taller guys because he's always the shorter guy, right? Yeah. At welterweight, he's always a shorter guy, and he's gonna have to get up under Till, and he might do better. So Till's pressuring. I don't know if that's gonna work against uh, Woodley. One thing I feel like to kind of sum up this fight is that. We know what Woodley is gonna show up. We we pretty much know within a certain range, within a certain range that it's gonna be the same Woodley that shows up. He's gonna neutralize the game. He's gonna take his time. Um, he'll show you know some some spurts. You know he'll 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 push forward a little bit. He'll explode forward. Though for the <clears throat> for the most part, he uh, he's gonna do what he has to do to fucking win. He's not going to go out there and make any mistakes. He's the champ. He's trying to hold that belt at any cost. We don't know what kind of tail is going to show up. I feel like I just get this, like, these, I just get this feel. It just feels like the Woodley era (laughs) is, it's run its course. Is that because you want it to? Or because, or because it really has? I don't know, but. Because I feel like it really has, and I want it to. it, It feels like Woodley is a. A champion that has, you know, he's going to defend three or four times, and then we move on to the new era. Yeah. And Darren Till's the new era. That's just the feeling that I get. So I think we're ready to move on to the new era. I I agree I, with that. I hope Till wins, and that's nothing against Woodley. No. Woodley's but, a uh, phenomenal champion. I think, I think it, I think Till should win, and uh, his first defense should be against Covington in Brazil. <laughs> can't believe you just dropped the c word yeah buddy can't but uh i mean that's the card so uh i think it's a it's a great card top to bottom it really is i mean i don't know how it's got gonna... diego sanchez jim miller there's gonna be some bloody fights down there those will yeah. be fun to watch I'm curious i'm curious how it sells i um i, don't, I feel like it won't sell I, that well i think it's gonna do poorly i'm just looking at it and not too many people want to pay for tyron woodley no and Darren Till, the people who want to see him, are in the UK, and it's free over there, from what yep. I hear, on BT Sport. Yeah, until it switches over to, I think Sky Sports One or one of those new yeah. programs. Until it switches I ca- over, I kind of free now. I, there was one time I said on Twitter, I was like, man, those guys over in England, they're so they're so lucky, they get it for free, <laughs> and. An MMA fan from Twitter corrected me and said, yeah, but we have to stay up till 4 a.m. to watch it. <laughs> That's true. <laughs> That's why it's free. That's true. Nobody's going to pay and stay up till 4 a.m. So That's he kind of got me on that one. But, um, yeah, yeah. The, the, I mean, between that and uh, Nico Montano not being able – you can't sell her as a champion. God, no. Um, Nobody watched that episode, that season of Tough. Yeah. So nobody knows who she is. Uh, you know, Zabit's fighting a guy that's not Yair anymore. So it's going to be tough to sell pay-per-views off of this, I believe. Even it's though sec- it's just such a good card. Look at that prelim card. The prelim card uh, could be a fight night by itself. It's so good. Yeah. But um, I agree. Yeah, it's going to be a good card. You want to get to uh, some MMA hearsay? Let's do it, man. So, what do you uh, got? 
If you guys remember, MMA Hearsay is where we talk about some uh, some hot topics in the world of MMA. Um, maybe the hottest topic within the last week is the the rap beef. Oh God! <laughs> the Donald Cerrone, uh, Jackson Wink beef going yeah. on. Um, everybody's familiar with it, but I mean, what's what is your take on this whole drama? Okay, so I watched Cerrone's side of the story on the Joe Rogan Experience. Yes. And I love Donald Cerrone. He's a legend. He's one of the few that you can put up there with the greats, even though he's never been a champion. But I do feel like the way he told the story, not to say that he was facetious in any way, but I feel like the way he told the story was to make himself look good, to kind of make himself the victim. And it seemed like a defense. It didn't seem like straight from the heart, this is what happened. This is my perspective. Put it all out there on the line. It seemed like he was trying to defend himself. And I get that. And then I saw what Diego Sanchez put on Instagram, and I got a way more heartfelt, straight from the, straight from the heart kind of take on what's going on at Jackson Wink. And, you know, it kind of shows in each one of those fighters' careers who was, quote-unquote, more selfish. And I feel like Donald Cerrone was selfish because he had to be because this is the fight game. Once he made a name for himself, once he became the cowboy, whatever year that was, whatever highlight KO he had that blew him into superstardom, he took advantage of it. And you can't hate the man for that. You can't disrespect him for that. And you can't expect him to sit there and go rounds with you every time you have a fight coming up at Jackson Wink when it's not benefiting him in any way and to stay on that path. Because Diego Sanchez stayed on that path. Now he's a legend. People love him for it. But he's not as relevant as Donald Cerrone right now. Mm -hmm. He's not a, as big a name with the casuals. You know, the common MMA, people that are getting into MMA now, they know who Donald Cerrone is. Even with this losing streak, people are way more inclined to tune in to him because of that. So Cerrone put the road work in, and I feel like the issue is not between Cerrone and Sanchez and Perry. The issue is between Jackson, Greg Jansen, <clears throat> excuse me, Greg Jackson and Winkle John. Like Jackson and Winkle John are the two that seem like they're at odds, but nobody's talking about that. Yeah. Like, well, what do you think about Winkle that John whole camp seems right now? Like, Winkle John seems like he's running the whole thing, and Greg ja Jackson's kind of taking a back seat. Mm -hmm. Doesn't really stand up for himself as much. Right. Now, as you know, um, one of the reasons that I wanted to start this podcast is because when the whole thing happened with uh, when Cyborg was fighting Holly Holm mm. and they had a Jackson Wink uh, credentialed photographer who made some very disrespectful comments towards Cyborg, you know, being a man and all that stuff. And mm -hmm. um, it was really in poor taste. And the Jackson Wink gym came out basically defended him yep and uh that was one of the reasons i wanted to start a podcast is because i was like man why can't i have a platform right now that's to talk about how disgusted i am with this whole camp right now and how they handled that and just a a, a poor pr move from from what i believe and uh 
this is just more drama that's going on with that camp. They had a, a long losing streak for a long time. Yeah. A really, a lot of their guys started losing, you know, Diego, Cerrone, um, uh, Arlovsky was there for a while. He's since left and started winning again. Mm-hmm. Home. Uh, Holly Holm, John Dodson, all these, all these fighters, uh, Michelle Watterson. Yeah, pretty much everybody except Yoel. They were on a bad, uh, a really bad losing streak for a long time, or not just streak, just a bad year or two. And um, there's just a lot going on over there. So when this whole thing came out, I was like, you know, it makes sense. A lot of the stuff that he's saying makes sense to me mm-hmm. that. They don't have their shit together over there. Right. Um, he said that Greg Jackson kind of took a back seat, that he's kind of he's kind of the mastermind behind their their game planning for fights, but he's not he's not out there holding the mitts for the guys anymore. Right. You know, he's not in the trenches with them anymore. Yeah. Um, he's just kind of like the motivation for them. Um and then they've they've got guys according to Cerrone, they've got guys who can just walk in and start start teaching a class oh yeah and it makes you think that it's it's more money motivated over there and that's why they brought in mike perry you know they can make a dollar off of mike perry mm-hmm. that's where this whole beef came from he's like why why are you guys going to be cornering and training the guy that's going to fight me right so i completely see uh why Cerrone's upset about this and I think it's just, uh, you know, you can talk about loyalty and all that, and I don't know if they owe Cerrone that loyalty, but if you're still going to be cool with him and still choose to corner him, so you're you're halfway loyal, and instead you're choosing to also train the guy who's going to try to knock his head off. So, um, yeah, the, the last year or so, I've really tried to... <laughs> I don't know. I don't. I, I. I just. I'm not a fan of that Jackson Wink gym anymore. No. Um. They used to be one of the greatest in the world. Yeah. They used they got, to be the greatest in the they, world. Great fighters still. Yeah. But um, just the way that they run things, I'm not a fan. So that's that's my take. Yeah, I feel like they need to reconsolidate. You know, I feel like they're trying to claim some sort of former glory, and they're trying to take the shortcuts. They're trying to take the uh, shorter routes to get back to what made them as big as they are. And that's not how it works. You know, they're trying to pick and choose uh, fighters like Perry and, oh, we can get superstardom from being the camp that is associated with this guy because he's the future. He's crazy on social media and they're just attacking it the wrong way. And that's where it shows a divide between Jackson and Winkle John. Cause I, I've never, when, when the whole thing came out with that photographer and the whole cyborg home thing, I was like, wait, what? Jackson's gym? Because to me, it's always been Jackson's gym. Greg Jackson, one of the greatest coaches of all time, greatest mm-hmm. trainers, you know, huge in MMA. And uh, I was blown away. And then I started to hear, hear a little bit more about Winkle John. And uh, now I'm not so surprised. Yeah, it and it just, seems like Greg's just like, eh, I'm out of it. It just kind of hurts their uh, prestige and their, their reputation. and Right. Um guess their their honor i guess i don't you know i don't know yeah called him a puppy mill and different things (laughs) like that and it's 
I feel I like mean, it could they, be. They can't even get my man John Dotson a haircut. <laughs> even John Jones was looking like he needed a haircut. I don't know what's going on over there. But it's struggle. Struggle city over there. Struggle. Meanwhile, one FC's paying fighters fifty grand a year. Yeah. <laughs> Guaranteed. Um saw this picture of a GSP in the spa. Yo. He looks like he's ready tomorrow. <laughs> so when he fought Bisping, the back on that mug was he like. He was massive. He was huge. His back looked Biggest huge. He looked overly huge at 185. It yeah. just didn't fit him. Yeah. He had that six-pack gut. He had that six-pack yeah. gut hybrid that was so- distended but still <laughs> cut. So that was in November. Mm-hmm. It is now. Well, I mean, it's what been like nine months or so yeah but he didn't just go back down to what he looked like at 170 no that picture he looks like he's walking around at 155 he is looking small and you know what i i doubted that he could do that you and i had this debate and you were like if he wants to do it he'll do it i'm like he can't make 55 it's impossible i was wrong i was 100 percent wrong i just i think he can i know he can gsp takes this so seriously i just said if he signs a contract at 155 he's gonna make the weight guaranteed yeah he's the ultimate he's gonna find and now looking at him i'm like this guy looks like he (laughs) could make the weight tomorrow yeah so uh, all he has is time and money you know what i mean like he's not a guy that's struggling for relevancy he's not a guy that's trying to uh you know gain some sort of social media following or anything he all he has is time and money yeah, i mean he he can hire the best nutritionist in the world exactly um, he can set his goals as high as he wants yeah he's he's as focused as they come in the mma world true um and i don't give a damn what dana says <laughs> if if gsp wants the winner of connor and Khabib, you think Dana thinks he's gonna make some some big money off of Connor and Khabib? Connor <laughs> and GSP would be insane. You think this fight's the biggest fight of all time? That's it's almost debatable, right? You know, uh, Connor versus Diaz two might have been the most anticipated fight of all time, right? Connor versus motherfucking GSP. It's gonna. It astronomical blow numbers. the roof off of whatever stadium they put that in. Yeah, they'd have to put it in a soccer stadium. Or oh something my insane. goodness! Uh, so, yeah, GSP's looking like he wants that one fifty five, and that's that's definitely a fight that um, either one of these guys would say yes to a GSP fight. Oh yeah, the, the money that they would make <laughs> well, off of that. Yeah, it, it just further ties oh. up that lightweight oh, division. Oh and my goodness! Nobody at the top. In the UFC brass gives a fuck. Sorry, Ferguson. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, buddy. Poirier. Oh, Sorry to everyone that, that's vying for that title. Yeah. It ain't happening anytime soon with GSP around. Yeah. GSP, Connor. So, Khabib wins. A little different story. But Khabib's not, like you said, he's not turning down GSP. Well, he wants GSP. He said he wants him. That's, that's who true. he wants. That's true. Uh, I saw an interesting quote from Tyron Woodley. Didn't get to listen to it. I just read it real quick. But I guess he's speaking of uh, being a four-division uh, champion. Mm-hmm. So he's already got the 170 belt. We know uh, 
the 185 belt exists right now. Apparently, he's including that. So he's including 165, 175, 170, and 185. So okay. two divisions that aren't there yet, but if they were to be created, who wants to go for four belts? <laughs> what? Yeah, everybody wants to go for three belts, four belts, every yeah. belt. <laughs> well, <laughs> you know what? It's hard to get excited about this shit. It's like when a movie trailer comes out for a year from now. I can't get excited. It's not in the immediate future. Get through till. How about this? Is he capable? Of making the weight? I mean, is he capable? I mean, not making the weight. Obviously, he's going up. Four division champ. Well, one of them would go down. Yeah, 65, true. I don't want to see Tyron Woodley try to make Well, that's That's a good point. Even though it's five pounds, could he make 65? That's Not the way he stacks his body right now. True. So yeah, that's a one seventy five would be perfect for him. I think it would be. I think one seventy five is the greatest. Uh, one eighty five. Well, there's something. I'll save one eighty five for later. There's something I want to bring up later. Okay. So. Okay. Uh, yeah, that's interesting. I think if they do one seventy five, I feel like that would be the the Woodley division. I feel like he could continue a reign at seventy five for sure. Yeah. He'd be yeah, facing some be some fun. taller guys, but that's nothing he's he's not used to. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I think it'd be pretty cool a one seventy five pound division. Absolutely, I'm, I support them more weight divisions. Uh, so this is a little nugget I saw floating around on Twitter. Apparently, the UFC has we well, you know their history with uh Robin Black taking yeah. his. Taking his page. Shout out to Robin Black. He just followed some, me on Twitter. That's the homie. Yeah. So uh, <laughs> for some uh, some copyright issues. So apparently they went after uh, another Twitter page, a fan, an MMA fan. Uh, I'm probably mispronouncing their name. Uh, Alex Scafidi. Let me try to find her. I think she recreated her page now. But uh, go ahead and try to find her. Yeah, let's um, see if I can find her. So apparently they they took her page down, got her page taken down over some some copyright issues, uh, for posting pictures of UFC fighters, um, and the and the pictures being copyrighted, mm-hmm. and apparently one of the pictures that she posted wasn't even of a fighter that's ever fought in the UFC, and that was the one that like got her taken down, but it's it's so crazy because apparently they have a an intern at the UFC that his only job is to search for these pages that are posting some copyrighted UFC stuff. So they got nothing better to do in the world except search for copyrighted pictures on, on, and these are fans. You're alienating fans of your sport. Were you able to find her? Yeah. Mm -hmm. She, she posted, uh, she posted yesterday or two days ago, rather. Awkwardly trying to re-upload pictures to this new account. Hashtag UFC copyright infringement. It's just a picture of her. <laughs> yeah, it's Alex Scafidi, if you guys want to go follow her. A-L-E-X-S-C-A-F-F-I-D-I underscore. Yeah. Alex Scafidi. She's it's cool. Just, it's just weird. I'm not sure if I follow her currently. or I've definitely seen her page floating around before. Mm-hmm. She had a, a good amount of followers and... uh it's just kind of weird that she's a, a big fan and a UFC fan, and that's not somebody you want to target, you know? It's not somebody you want to piss off. You don't want to piss off your own fans. If they're using your pictures, who gives a fuck? 
right? They're pictures that everybody can view anyway. If she's not monetizing, that's the thing, right? I understand yeah. why people go after, why large corporations go after individuals for monetizing things, for making money off of your art, you know, your photos, your videos. The, she's not doing that. She's supporting it. She's promoting it. Yeah. She's in, she's she didn't what makes the sport so great. She didn't post anything you can't find off of Google Images right now. Exactly. Who? It's just it's just one of those weird things that the UFC does. You don't really understand their way of thinking. And uh, it, it was just kind of mind-blowing when I saw that. Uh, next up, Sage Northcutt was on uh, the Ariel Helwani show. Mm-hmm. And he mentioned that uh, if people don't know, he's he's a free agent currently. Um, he has not been re-signed to the UFC as of yet. Uh, and he mentioned that his managers are talking with other organizations mm. um, about his, his prospects. Okay. So we know Sage came from uh, Dana White's looking for a fight. Mm-hmm. He's kind of the the UFC's little baby Golden boy child, yeah you know? <laughs> so i mean i mean could you see him going somewhere else would it be beneficial to another organization do you think the ufc resigns him i i think the ufc resigns him i don't think they've given up on him just yet it's not you know you typically see when fighters get to the point where they have three losses in a row that's when the ufc decides am i going to cut you or i'm going to keep you you know that's usually when you see a lot of fighters start looking at other options mm-hmm. um obviously they would like to get re-signed but it's it's highly unlikely people get cut around that point sage has sage hasn't reached that yeah so i don't see the point of cutting him especially because so, see some people look at it like oh he's promoted as this golden child that's going to be the face of you know this new wave of fighters you know he's what is he 21 22 he's i think he's like, he's he's very young so he's part of this new this new age you know this new uh revolution of young fighters that trained mma at a very young age and uh it shows i just feel like people use that against him and say oh he's made up to be this great fighter and he has since not had the best record and he hasn't really showed that he's a superstar but i feel like that's too much pressure on this young kid i feel like you got to give him more of a second chance. And uh, I don't think a couple losses is a, is a second chance. Admittedly, I don't have his his record up right now. So yeah, I, I'm trying to figure well, his, out. His last performance was his best one in the UFC yet. Yeah. Which and I feel good, like that's what we should go off It's of. good timing when you're looking for a new contract. Yeah, it's true. I think maybe the holdup right now is they were giving Sage a good amount of money for the little that he has accomplished so far mm-hmm. in the UFC. And... When you're in a, a negotiation, you know, if Sage was making $100,000 a fight, how do you go into a negotiation? Sage is saying, hey, we're making hundred grand, and we just had the best win of our career, so we want more money. And the UFC side is saying, well, that not too many people saw that fight, and we were overpaying you, so we want to give you less money. I think that's the holdup, so... If they really are talking to other organizations like Bellator or well, Bellator is really the only one I could see trying to trying to get him. He's he's really above the level of the other organizations. Yeah. Um. But if Bellator wanted to pay him a, a pretty penny, 
think it would be a good coup for them. But uh, we got to see if the UFC is ready to to move on from from the Sage Northcut world. I saw this. I got to mention. I got to mention. So you know the the memes that have been circulating on uh, Twitter with Colin Kaepernick, yeah. the Nike ad, and people are making their own ones with. So I saw one with Sage Northcut. Oh God! <laughs> and it said, "Sometimes I say curse words, especially when I get permission from Mister Faber." And I fucking lost it when I seen that shit. <laughs> but yeah, man, Sage, I like Sage. I, it's I like guys that are genuine. That's who he is, and he is who he He's is. He's the most genuine human. He's the purest human of oh, the his, MMA game. His soul. <laughs> He he's going he's directly not, to heaven. He's not as soon as he dies. He's not waiting outside the pearly gates. No, he's jumping no. over them. Yeah, <laughs> he's got VIP. After he asks permission, <laughs> yes, he is jumping right I, in. I was sitting here pondering, like, am I tripping or does he really not have that bad of a record? And looking at his record, why are we even talking about this? Why are we even talking about him leaving the UFC? I mean, granted, his, yeah, his contract is up, but why is it even in discussion when he's won? What is he, three and two? In the UFC, he's one. He's six and two in the UFC. There's no way he's got eight fights in the UFC. Yeah. Sage Northcott has eight fights in the UFC. He has six wins, two losses. He lost to Mickey Gall and Brian Barberina. He lost, I mean, he's won three of his last four. Why are we even. Uh, who's his wins? He's beaten uh, Francisco Trevano, Cody Fister, Enrique Marin, Michael Quinones, Tiabal Gaudi, and Zach Otto. That's crazy that it's been eight. eight His first fights. fight was October 2015. Hmm. At UFC 192. It's crazy, right? It doesn't it does, seem like he's seems like time long. has flown by. <laughs> it doesn't seem like it doesn't even seem like looking for a fight started that long ago. Yeah, really. <laughs> started apparently before 2015. Man, it's been three years. Yeah. That's crazy. Yeah, literally it's been three years. Next month. <laughs> Shout out to uh... <laughs> That's the thing. I was literally thinking, I was like, hold on, they're gonna cut him. Does he have another loss I'm not remembering? But no, he's won three of his I last four I, fights. I really think the money that he's making, his initial deal that he got from the UFC is just, he's making a lot of money. Yeah. He's making way more money than guys of he's his talent He's so level. marketable. And the UFC's like, fuck, I, do we keep giving him this money? He wants, He's going to want more money than what he's making, and they, they just set the bar so high, it's going to be difficult. Yeah, to, there's, a lot of, there's a lot more uh, you know, business insider uh, talks. That have nothing to do with his wins and losses. There's a lot more, like you said, on the financial side of it. Speaking of some uh, recent free agency news, Michael Chandler re-signed with Bellator. Mm. Um, Never even got into a negotiating phase with any other uh, organization. But I want to read off this quote. It's a little lengthy. I'll try to cut out a little bit if I can. But uh, Michael Chandler, this is to MMA fighting. He says, I'm self-aware enough to understand that the fans who say, man, I wish you went to the UFC to fight this guy or that guy. Six months after I retire, maybe they're going to buy my book or see my documentary. 
but they're still going to be moving on to the next big thing. That's how the sports world works. You don't really see many basketball players taking deals to win championships. They generally don't make moves to win championships. They do it for the money. So why can't mixed martial artists do it for the money? Because we're too dumb? Because we're too close to the Neanderthals of 1993 when the sport first started? I think that's what needs to be said. Everyone needs to wake up and start realizing their worth, but most don't. If they want to scrape at the bottom of the barrel, maybe 10 years from now, someone will be telling their kid, man, your dad was a tough fighter. That's nice, but I'd rather be on a yacht somewhere. I fucking love it. Right? I mean, yes. Can he start doing speaking engagements and talking (laughs) to young kids that want to become MMA fighters? Because that's the thing that I've always said with Connor, too. You know, talking about getting out of the game early and taking the Mayweather fight and you know, taking his time, letting people talk shit about him being the, you know, paper champ and, you know, hiding from this fight. fight. Let people talk because at the end of the day, what people have to say isn't going to pay your bills one way or the other. It's, and Michael Chandler is looking at it from a standpoint of longevity. It's the fuck, whole fuck it, the legend status. It's like, the whole legacy versus money debate. Look at who legitimately talks legacy and I support. Okay, so I, I support GSP chasing legacy, fighting whoever the fuck he wants, whenever he wants, knocking out uh, or finishing Bisbing and then walking away from the belt. I supported that. I didn't give a fuck that he did that. People hate it. I love it because he's already set for life. He's already one of the biggest athletes of all time, mm-hmm. let alone mixed martial artists. Anderson Silva, same. Anderson Silva is a god in Brazil. He's one of the greatest of the sport. He doesn't have to work ever again. He can, he can fight Cormier. He can fight whoever for legacy you know though for a fighter like michael chandler he can't afford that he can't afford to just go to the ufc and potentially get gain some sort of legacy you know and uh, i get it people love a good storyline we want it to be immortalized we want to have this book that we open up and blow some dust off of and show our kids this is michael chandler but Michael Chandler doesn't give a fuck about that book. <laughs> he wants to be on that boat. <laughs> yeah, man, that's a good quote. I mean, in a sport that is so still underpaid, it's just mm-hmm. so underpaid. It really is. It's kind of refreshing to see a guy that's like, look, man, I'm not saying I'm in this for the money, but I'm in this for the money. You know, we, we I ain't him. doing this for free. Fuck no. So... He talks about he's got his wife, he's got a kid. His kid's like two or three years old. They adopted a child, mm-hmm. and uh, he just he he's trying to do it for them. He's trying to the ultimate goal, and people out there with kids will especially know this. But when you can be a provider for your family and make it so that your kids may never have to work. That's the ultimate goal. Now, these guys aren't making millions of dollars. They're no. not in that kind of position. But can he go and pay off his his kid's college tuition when he gets older? Maybe. Yeah. You know, if you're chasing the most money, I mean, he could be in a position where he's making uh, several hundred thousand dollars a year. If he fights twice a year, maybe he's making about $500,000 a year. You know, he's, he's in a position where he could set up those things for his family. Mm-hmm. And... Fighters really have to, uh, really have to realize what's most important in life. Exactly that whole legacy thing. That's great, but look at a guy like, look at Tito Ortiz and Chuck Liddell. Yeah, they their legacies are cemented. They are in the UFC Hall of Fame. 
mm-hmm. former champions, all this other stuff. <laughs> they're fighting because they're broke. Yeah. At the end of the day, that's why they're fighting. They're fighting because they're broke. Yep. And Chuck Liddell said that much. He yeah. said, I used to have a job with the UFC. Yeah. And I was good. And then WME came and they made all the cuts. Yeah. Let I Chuck that. go. He needs money. So at, at the end of the day, it's a, it, it's, it's about the money. It's, it's gotta be. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I love this quote. It's brilliant. It's, yeah. it's brilliant. I mean, so, it makes perfect sense. And, and I really hope if, that, uh, there's a lot of that in his book. Uh, I look forward to seeing what he does moving if, forward because if, if, he's if, got the right mindset. If Bellator's shelling out the cash, more power to him. It always seems like that is never anything that anyone questions as far as when fighters either go from the UFC to Bellator or uh, decide to stay with Bellator because they've been there for a while. They value their stars. Yeah, they do, right? And and they can still make their sponsorship money over there. Yeah. Which they make a lot of money. I think, uh, well... Michael Chandler, I know he's a big uh, Monster Energy and uh, I think Muscle Farm guy. Oh yeah. Yeah. So I think you know those are two two powerhouses in the sponsorship MMA world. So. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, good for him, man. I really liked a lot of what he had to say on JRE, and uh, I didn't really know him before. Right. Watching that episode, so uh, yeah, now seeing that especially, that is a powerful message that everybody needs to hear. Fan questions time. Let's do fan questions, man. I'm hyped about these fan questions. I was nervous as fuck about these fan questions about an <laughs> so hour ago so because uh, they're really good. They're yeah. fucking good. Yeah. They're really good. Let's get right into them. Do you want to do um, like back and forth? or Because I have, I have my answer for each one. So let's just go through each one. And um, after you give yours, then I'll just give mine. Right, we'll, we'll start with uh, this is Twitter handle at. MQF two five two. Question is, who is the biggest dark horse in the lightweight division? You want to go first? Uh, yeah. So I I responded to this instantly, and I said, my answer for this isn't just the lightweight division, but my answer is also for the UFC as a whole. Okay. Um, MMA as a whole, and I've spoken about this guy before, and he's. He's a known name to the UFC, uh, sorry, the Twitter world, mm-hmm. Gregor Gillespie. Ooh, that's a good one. Yeah, so Gregor Gillespie, uh, still undefeated. He's 5-0 and in the UFC, four straight finishes in the UFC. Mm-hmm. He was the co-main on UFC Utica. So they see the potential there. He's going out there, he's dominating these guys. His striking's coming along. Uh, his submission games coming coming along, and he's a outstanding wrestler. He comes out of uh, the Belmore Kickboxing Gym, mm. which is also home to my main man, Andre the Bull Harrison. Oh yeah, yeah, that's so right. So you got Dre the Bull who's undefeated, and mm-hmm. you've got Gregor Gillespie who's undefeated. That might be the most underrated gym, probably in MMA. When when their two top guys are undefeated, one in uh, PFL, one in uh, the UFC. So, uh, Gregor Gillespie, I mean, possibly a future champion, and he's not even ranked right now. Yeah. They decided to make him the co-main. How is that? Exactly. They they decided <laughs> to make him the co-main on UFC Utica. He went out there and got a finish, 
talked about some fishing and then <laughs> they didn't even they still don't have him in the rankings. You know, he he looks the part. He definitely looks the part. He does. But um definitely that uh, that's my pick for uh the dark horse in the lightweight division. Yeah, I'm kind of blown away that he yeah, 12 and 0. Blown yeah. away that he's not at least ranked right now. Um you guys are going to be kind of surprised with my dark horse and my uh dark horse is Dustin Poirier because I feel like people are still fucking sleeping on him. I feel like people still doubt him somehow. I feel like granted this is the muddiest, murkiest division in the history of the UFC. There is no there's a hundred percent going to be a fight for the title with McGregor and Nurmagomedov. After that, nobody knows what the right. fuck is gonna happen. And I feel like you know, Dustin Tor- Dustin Poirier gets lost in all of that. And with so much shine on GSP potentially, and with Nate maybe coming in and mixing things up, Connor, Khabib, people want to forget about Dustin because they can't even process the idea of how long it's going to take for him to eventually get the title. Though I'm holding out and uh, I believe he's the future champ. And I do feel like people sleep on Dustin Poirier, even though he's been sleeping well, he's, everybody else. This, uh, <laughs> I mean, this Nate Diaz fight, Nate Diaz is getting all the attention. They're not going to sell the fight. on. That's why I went with Dustin Poirier on this. And it's, it's crazy to say, cause he's, if this whole Connor situation wasn't happening and the potential for super fights, if this wasn't the super fight era, if this was strictly rankings based, we would have Dustin Poirier fighting for a title next. Uh, and, uh, you know, Right. He's not going to. <laughs> Next question. This is from uh, Kevin, who listens to the show, interacts with me a lot on Twitter. Um, Twitter handle at UFC underscore fight underscore life says, what's next for Cody? Cody Garbrandt, considering his two losses back to back to TJ, but his obvious talent. So I'm going to just say off the bat. This is a fight that I want as an OG MMA fan. And I feel like this is a fight that the new fans can get around. I feel like a rematch with Cruz is a fight that we could sell that I do feel like Cody deserves. I don't know who else they can promote with Cody that has a little bit of a backstory to it. They can get the new fans involved uh, that also has the old fans really wanting to see it from a technical standpoint. Uh, just looking at the division, I, I, you know, I am way more of a Dillashaw fan. JC knows this. I've been, (laughs) (laughs) that's an understatement, right? (laughs) Yeah, I told you. Uh, (laughs) I also am a huge Cruz fan, though I can't deny the talent of Cody and what he's been able to do in the division in such a short amount of time. So I feel like Cody does deserve a top three fighter. And I feel like he deserves the former champ. What What do you think? Do you think Cody's lost? Or do you think he just doesn't have the answers for TJ? Well, it's, it's just a bad matchup. I mean, he's in that position where Yoan uh, is also in that position. Mm-hmm. These, these immediate rematches, um, these immediate title rematches, put the losing fighter in a bad spot if they lose back-to-back. Yoan cannot get another title shot as long as Rose 
is in a position that she's in. Mm-hmm. It used to be Claudia that was in that position. Right. She couldn't yeah, get I remember a that. shot as long as uh, Joanna was champion. Um, so now Cody's in that position. So he's got to, I think he's got to drop down a peg, uh, fight maybe a top eight-ish guy. Okay. And there's a, there's a couple guys on this 228 card that I think would be good for him. Uh, the winner of Rivera and Dodson. That'd be a great be fight for him. The winner of Stamen and uh, Aljamain would be good. Mm. Um, so I'd go with one of those guys. So you'd rather see him regain confidence in a lower ranked yeah, fight? Yeah, he, I'd like to see him drop down a peg. Okay. Because if he fights Cruz and he beats Cruz, which I think he would, um, with the way that the first fight went, now what? He's Because Cruz is like the next ranked guy. I mean... Who's TJ going to fight now? He can't fight t- Cody. Yeah. So I, I would like to see him go down a peg and fight a top eight kind of guy. Okay. Uh, Let me get into... Yeah, give me one. Let's see here. Who is the most underrated woman right now? And who is the Usman of the women's UFC? This is at A-D-A-S-C-O. O L A zero one Addis Cola zero one. Who is the most underrated woman right now, and who is the Usman of the women's UFC? A beast that everyone avoids. So the Usman part of this question is um a little difficult. I don't know if there's a woman that is being avoided. I don't think so either. So much. Um, I think Suarez is the one that they are terrified of. I think, you know, the females that fight in the UFC are willing to take a fight against her, but I think she's the the one that people are terrified of. Mm-hmm. Most underrated is going to get people stirred up a little bit. <laughs> All right? I'm just warning you. Most underrated, Jermaine Duran to me. <laughs> You were, you the know most, what? You most. were making me nervous, and now I know why. I didn't know you were gonna say this. The most. Hated, Are you serious? The most hated, and the most underrated. Well, so that sounds like a wrestling promo. <laughs> the most hated and the most underrated. Jermaine Duran to me. Now I need some justification because I think I know where you're gonna go with this, but I'm not sure. All right. The reason I feel that she's underrated is because she was well. Obviously, no, she had the belt, the inaugural 145 women's belt. She was afraid to fight Cyborg, and she let it go, and everybody hated on her for it. Now, go back to that Holly Holm fight. (laughs) There were the controversial uh, strikes after the bell in that fight. Twice. Twice, and that's what people remember. Now, had she she been deducted those points, she would have lost. Yes. But just based off of the fight, I thought that she did enough to win or at the minimum compete with Holly Holm mm-hmm. to say that it was right down the middle. So if you have a, a female fighter who is neck and neck with Holly Holm in a fight, but yet people still think of her as an afterthought, maybe that's because she's been inactive, but mm-hmm. they give her as an afterthought, I think you got to be underrated, right? Yeah. So Damn it. I'll get some backlash probably, but Jermaine Duran to me, so. Yeah, she's just too inactive. And she's coming back. She's just scheduled to fight. She's got to fight with Raquel in November. 
I think she's gonna whoop her <laughs> ass. Can beat the shit out of she's gonna whoop her ass. Oh man. Uh, who you got? I know who I want to say, and that's what I'm gonna say. Tatiana Suarez, because I feel like I'm looking at it from the point of not just the fans, but the other female fighters. I feel like the other female fighters are hearing whispers about Tatiana Suarez, though nobody seems to have voiced any concern for her and taking over. I mean, Tatiana Suarez looks like she could go to 125 when she gains some notoriety at 115. She looks like she could be a big star for women's mixed martial arts in general. And I just feel like her size and her, her power in her wrestling, you know, Earlier, we talked about Jessica Andrade's power overall. Uh, I'd never seen Tatiana Suarez struggle to get a takedown. She just takes you down. Yeah. There's no, there's no sloppy technique. There's no desperation. When she wants the fight to go a certain way, it goes that certain way. And for the first time in, in my uh, mixed martial arts viewership, I support that. <laughs> you know me. <laughs> Every time you and I play UFC, I want to chuck the controller at the wall when you take me down because i fucking hate it there's nothing i can do about it though uh yeah man i feel like tatiana suarez is being overlooked not just by the fans though by these fighters because they're being questioned nice. in interviews and nobody's mentioning her and i think that's the think wrong outlook after 228 it's gonna change yeah i'm excited for it to change and that's a like we talked about a big change of the guard it's exciting for her what you got next so our man mike will Mike the homie from around the way. He's literally, the he literally, I could jog to his house right now, apparently. <laughs> <laughs> the homie, Mike Will, at Serial Sensei. That's C-E-R-E-A-L-S-E-N-S-E-I. He asks, hypothetically, if Till loses, who's most likely to dethrone Woodley? JC. Yeah, so this is why I wanted to wait um, when we were talking about Woodley moving to different weight classes because of this question. Um, if Till loses, the answer to this, who's likely to dethrone Woodley, is nobody. <laughs> so the reason that I wanted to wait is because I'm looking at this middleweight division. So I'm kind of thinking, what's next for Woodley if he mm -hmm. beats Till? I look at that middleweight division, which is kind of falling apart. Yeah. Um, it used to be the the cream of the crop, but you got uh, Romero, who has now lost to Whitaker twice and had some weight issues. You've got Jacare, who has now lost to uh, Whitaker and Gastelum and mm -hmm. Romero. You got um, Luke Rockhold, who has the knockout to Romero. Mm -hmm. You know, that division's kind of falling apart. So yeah. after Gastelum and Whitaker fight, regardless of who wins, who do they fight? The answer is probably nobody because that division's falling apart. It is. So I think that's going to be your next quote-unquote super fight, champion versus champion fight is going to be, well, if, if Woodley wins, mm. Woodley would face whoever wins out of Gastelum and Whitaker, likely at middleweight. Yeah. So. That's and that's I, a good that's rematch. That's They've already fought to a split decision, uh, Woodley uh, yeah, Gastelum. and Gastelum. Yeah. So that, that's something that the UFC can sell. So that gives it a little bit more promise. Right. Um, jumping over to middleweight, I don't know if I could sell like Luke, for example, <laughs> versus 
Woodley, but Gaslam for sure, and probably Whitaker too. Whitaker's not massive. It's probably the only way they're going to sell any of those guys is champion versus champion. <laughs> well, that's the era now. It seems yeah. like every fighter, and it's it's yeah. a solid game plan. I love the idea of it's like, okay, I'm a champion right now. I could go fight for another belt and come right back to mine with no consequences, or I can sit here and try to defend and not make as much money. Yeah. Super fight era makes sense for fighters as much as people hate it, and I'm one of the people that usually hates it. Um, for me personally, uh, it's funny because as you were saying that, that's pretty much exactly what I had. I don't think that anyone can beat Woodley yeah. other than Till. I, I scanned and scanned. Uh, nobody's coming up in weight. Nobody's going down in weight, and no one's going to be able to beat Woodley. Uh, he hasn't cleared out the entire division, though I just don't see it. I really don't see it. Yeah. I feel like the only way we see a loss with that man, like you said, is him going to another yep. division for sure. Uh, this one is from uh, Twitter handle at Brent, B-R-E-N-T underscore Dolan, D-O-L-A-N. He says, if Woodley gets past Till, will he finally get some respect? The guy's a great champion with an incredible highlight reel. I don't understand the hate. What do you say? Woodley gets hate because he complains about not being promoted. Mm -hmm. The only problem with that is that he's not promotable. He doesn't have that personality that people are attracted to. Mm -hmm. And him complaining about that makes people want to support makes people not want to support him it's yeah. almost going against his cause and i don't feel like that's going to change i feel like he just needs to realize that whatever money he's making whatever promotion he's getting whatever opportunities he's getting he has to get on his own and he shouldn't sacrifice who he is you know it's the yeah. stipe effect you know if that's who you are you're not connor if it all this depends on how he handles the win if he wins um if he handles it the way that he's been handling it he's going to still get the hate if he just wins and waits for his next opponent, people will start to attract towards him. Yeah. You know, this fight kind of reminds me of um, uh, Ronda Rousey against Amanda Nunes. Mm. Nunes was the champ. Rousey was getting all the attention. So here you have Woodley as the champ. Till's getting all the attention. True. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just the way that he handles a win. Don't whine. Don't bring up race don't do anything that makes you seem like a crybaby mm -hmm. and people will start to attract towards you just just knock your gut well make it exciting too yeah that's another thing that's the other thing you can't he can't go out there and keep putting on fights like you did against maya or against thompson too mm -hmm. and expect for people to start attracting towards him yeah honestly bad. i would prefer him if he went out and said, I'm trying to keep my belt. You guys can complain all you want. I'm trying to complete, trying to keep my belt and was honest about it and just said, I'm not going to change our fighting style. I'm not going to take big risks. This is the most I've ever been able to support my family and, and you know, secure some longevity in this sport. I would respect that more than him kind of wanting to play both sides. He doesn't want to put on exciting performances, but he wants major, major promotions. Well, that's not how that works. And, uh, you know, I feel like I would respect it more if he didn't, like you say, he didn't complain on top of not having the most exciting performances. 
you can't have both and you're not a huge personality so uh next one i'm gonna pose this to you okay let me see which one i want to give you um let's go with uh ashley the mma nerd um twitter handle at the underscore mma underscore nerd uh, she wants to know what's your favorite and least favorite trend in MMA right now. Okay, so my favorite trend is fighters respectfully calling out legends. I feel like there's this need to find your way into the change of the guard. When you have a certain, when you get into the UFC and you're at the highest level of competition and you see the broad spectrum of, I'm a young and up and coming fighter. I'm building a name. This person has a name. If I knock them out, I have a name. To have that mindset is natural, but it's crazy to see how much I did not support someone like Kelvin Gastelum coming in. <laughs> and now I support it because he didn't force that. He wasn't up there having corny promo rips to try to call out these big name fighters. He ended up getting the fights because he had exciting fights he proved that he could bounce back from, you know, the issues he had with weight cutting. And he found himself at a title shot now. And you have to respect that. I feel like the way he went about it was respectful. No fighter, whether it's Anderson Silva when he was scheduled to fight him, Bisbing, Souza, nobody. None of these legends that he finished ever felt like he was this young guy that was being disrespectful coming into the game immediately calling them out and when you see some of these younger guys do it it's just so it, it's a symptom of you know the super fight era and these guys looking for a quick peach paycheck and that pisses me off but uh my favorite is is seeing the few that understand the fight game that are real mixed martial artists they're respectful and they come in and uh just do it the right way you know I, i'm a huge fan of that i'm a huge huge fan of that my least favorite trend is uh, fighters desperately trying to remain relevant by speaking ill of other fighters. Perfect example of that is Chael Sonnen. Chael <laughs> Sonnen, he may be known for it, but he's old as fuck now. He's not a guy that people are excited to see the future of. This motherfucker posted damn near 10 posts back to back about John Jones on Twitter the other day. I hype about uh, Fedor Chael. Be- I don't give a fuck about chater or fail i never have given a fuck about chater or fail even if i did i wouldn't be supporting this i just feel like i i don't sip that kool-aid you know i like what chael can do inside the octagon i like that chael is a knowledgeable guy and he's one of the greats in mixed martial arts as far as just being a personality and a fighter and a podcaster he's a major part of mixed martial arts love chael for that hate chael for this kind of shit I really do. It fucking gets me pissed off because it's like, are you really vying for attention that much? Does it hurt that bad to be in your mid forties? Like you really have to come after this guy. Like, I just don't get it, man, to pile on somebody uh, and and make post after post after post just to remain relevant. It's so snake. Like it's so, it's so pitiful in my opinion. And uh, yeah, that's my least favorite fucking trend for sure. Now that you bashed on my man Chael, <laughs> what you got for me? Uh, let's go here. Let's see. 
Mm. Oh, this is a good one. At Smoke Loke. S-M-O-C-C-L-O-C-C. How much longer does Invicta survive before being absorbed by the UFC? This is a phenomenal question I would have never thought of. Yeah. Um, I don't I don't think that that's in the cards anytime soon. I think Invicta's in a good spot um, with their fights being broadcast on Fight Pass. Mm-hmm. It gives uh, the UFC a good chance to... Uh, Get a good look at these girls. Get get them some attention without having to promote them themselves. That's smart. Um, and it gives them a good chance to, you know, UFC has these feeder leagues. LFA is a big one. Titan FC is a big one. And for females, it's Invicta. So I think it's in a good spot of being that feeder league for the UFC. Uh, now, they're desperate for some female talent, but I don't think that they should just absorb Invicta because they're going to absorb a lot of talent that's not ready for the UFC. Right. Although there are females there that are ready, but uh, you're going to get a lot that aren't. Yeah, my response for this question was when we have a, a stock, when we have a, considerable, a considerate amount of women that could step in and be potential stars at bantamweight and featherweight. That's when. Yeah. Because we're already pretty stacked at strawweight. And, um, you know, those lighter weights, I feel like, will do just fine. There's a lot of names down there. Though uh, bantamweight fighters that could potentially move up to featherweight or, you know, we'll, we'll see how this season of tough goes with trying to find featherweights. And I don't think it'll go well, to be honest with you. Uh, also from Smoke Loke. GSP versus Askren. Who wins and how does the fight unfold? I'm going to let you take that because I put down don't care, not a fan of Askren. <laughs> I, put, <laughs> I put down GSP, have a nice day. <laughs> here's here's my issue, and, and I can't help it. I, I've been following the sport for quite some time, but I can't help looking at the sport from the standpoint of a new fan because I want the sport to grow, so I have to keep that in mind when I answer some of these questions. New fans, people that make this sport grow, people that get excited about watching, say somebody's going to watch UFC 228, and that's going to be the first time they watch a UFC fight. Those fighters don't know who the fuck, those people rather, those fans, don't know who the fuck Askren is. Mm-hmm. They probably know who GSP is, and that's never going to change. I think it's I think it's a, a fun fight to talk about, but GSP is never going to take it. Ever. And who do I think is going to win? I think GSP because... As phenomenal of a wrestler as Askren is, GSP in his own right is a phenomenal wrestler. He's phenomenal in every discipline there is. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's where he stands out. He's not just one discipline Mm -hmm. uh, dominant. He stands out everywhere. And there's many different areas of the fight game that he can beat Ben Askren. So that's why I said GSP. Yeah. For me, honestly, this this is LeBron versus... Michael Jordan it's it's never gonna happen so why are we even talking about it it's literally the discussion goes well on Twitter because people are so passionate and I love that though I have to look at what's realistic and I don't even want to put any energy into something that will literally never happen nobody knows Ben Askren hit me with one I got you this is from 
Let's do... Let's do another one from Smoke Loke. What is happening with MVP? Why is he not a household name? Why hasn't Bellator advertised him and pushed his brand? I think he's an incredible talent. What am I missing? Smoke Loke, your guess is as good as mine. <laughs> um, you know, the only thing I can come up with is he's kind of, you know, tried to tried some other things. He's been doing some boxing here or there. Mm-hmm. Um, but Bellator just has this thing where they like to promote the old guys. Yeah. They like to do the Gracie versus Shamrock headlines, the Chael versus uh, Fedor headlines. Um, the 10 years too late fights. The 10 years too late <laughs> fights. And they try to go off of, instead of building their own talent, which I think the only talent that they've really built up within the organization is Michael Chandler. Yeah. Um, they try to take guys from other organizations who have run their course and you know try to sell off of that name and it kind of works to a degree but you can only go so far so uh that i mean that's the only thing i can come up with other than that i i agree with with smoke loke i think he's an amazing talent um he's got it seems like he wants to stick around in bellator so uh hopefully they start to push him a little more and um put some money in their advertising department and get him out there especially in uh the uk yeah where he could be a huge star absolutely i just feel like with with page you know i because bellator doesn't have headliners that uh aren't part of this older generation you know they're typically these like i said these 10 years too late fights i don't usually tune in i don't always tune in um and i feel like with Michael Venom Page, I always tune in. If I know he's on the card, I'm always going to watch. And it's a shame that most people, it seems like most people don't follow suit with that. And he doesn't have the notoriety that he should. Because watching his skill set, there's no doubt. Um, people do question his competition, for sure. But I feel like they're going to do that at Bellator regardless. Because they don't know these fighters. And I was just trying to do some research. Because this question kind of stumped me. You know, I was looking into maybe his social media because maybe from a business standpoint, they don't find him marketable so far. He hasn't maybe marketed himself. He's only got 30,000 followers on Twitter, but he's not that active there. Instagram, he's got a little over 300,000, so he's doing well there. Uh, it just seems like maybe he hasn't had that breakthrough moment. He he maybe needs to have a marketable uh, c competitor. And and to defeat to defeat him would maybe push him into stardom. But for right now, he's on the right track. He's one of those fighters that I don't ever want to not don't ever, but he's one of those fighters that I feel like it's great for him to be at Bellator right now. I actually like that he's at Bellator. He seems at home. He seems very comfortable. He loves Scott Coker. Scott Coker seems to support him in any which way. And uh, yeah, MVP. It's a mystery to be honest. I wish I had the answer though. We just don't know. <laughs> Uh, this one is from at the maximum power who I'm finding out a lot of people on Twitter are not fond of the maximum power to get blocked a lot from him, but uh, I've never had an issue with him. So, uh, his question is, what's your opinion of Rafael Asuncao? 
uh, and title shot consideration. He beat Marlon Moraes, who is in title shot conversations. He has wins over TJ Dillashaw, Rob Font, and Aljamain Sterling. Four-fight win streak, one loss in eight years. Please discuss the merits here. So, he deserves consideration. But, he's 36. Again, from the, from the, from the point of how things are being marketed now with WME. It's not about rankings. It's not about who deserves it. It's about who's going to make money. Who are people going to get excited to see as champion? Who are people going to be tuning into? People aren't tuning in Rafael Sunsau. How much longer can he fight? He's 36. Yeah. I've, I've, I went off on a rant about uh, Rafael Sunsau after his last fight. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it, it's on the UFC to market these guys, mm-hmm. but it's also on the fighter as well as his management team yeah. to get their name out there somehow. Have you ever seen Rafael Sunsal on a podcast? Nope. Have you, even Ariel Hawani, who Ariel Hawani has every single person. He has on. a list of 20 people yeah. after Have every big ever card. Have you ever seen him on there? Nope. I He's have. never even been on the, the Fox panel talking to woodley and karen bryan tonight yeah florian he's never i've i've never even known (laughs) if he speaks english that's that's get a translator and and we'll figure it out after his last fight and i watched his octagon interview i was like holy shit he speaks perfect english oh well that pisses me off further because that's what i was going to use as the one excuse you would (laughs) have never known i don't know what jimmy trains at i don't know who his training partners are I don't if he if he trains with other UFC fighters, I don't hear them trying to build up Rafael Sunsal. At some point, you have to do your own part in the marketing business. Can I you agree. tell me what his Twitter handle is? If he has one. No idea. His Instagram. Nope. I've never seen, seen it. His Instagram. There you go. <laughs> you know? I'm on so, there every day. Don't know. In the world that we're in, yes, he deserves it. Um his Last fight against TJ, which was at UFC 200, I remember. Um, it was a unanimous decision for TJ, 30-27 across the board, if I remember correctly. It wasn't a competitive fight. So that's kind of going against him now um, that TJ's the champion again. If if he had a, a mouthpiece on him and he spoke up for himself, maybe that's the biggest thing. You don't have to go. I'm not. I don't advocate for guys to go out there and act like a jackass or act like somebody they're not. Right. But you have to speak up for yourself and make yourself known. And if he thinks he deserves a fight, go out there and say, I deserve the fight. Go out there and tell, you know, uh, the maximum power. Just, you know, he mentioned how he's beat this guy, that guy. He's already beaten TJ and um, one loss in eight years. Instead of the maximum power telling everybody that it should be. <laughs> Half hour sun style. He should be on a microphone saying, "I've beaten the champion before. I have. I've lost one time in eight years." Yeah, you got to be a little brass as a fighter. You, you don't have to be fake. You have to let people know who you are. You have to let them know what you've accomplished, and you have to let them know why you deserve it. Yeah. Otherwise, nobody knows. Yeah, you got to go on the internet. Yeah, you got to so. be a little brash. You got to be, you know, a little abrasive and remind people. Yes. For those fighters that aren't tuned in him because he's nowhere on social media, you know, he's he's not making guest appearances on podcasts or, you know, anything like that. 
he's got to take it upon himself. I agree wholeheartedly. It's on him to make that happen. And if he does, he deserves it because of everything that Maximum Power referenced. I don't doubt that. I do feel like the younger generation is not going to tune in, though, because 36. <laughs> yeah. Hit me with one. Here we got two more. All right. From Smoke Loke. Smoke Loke is a legend. Dropped four questions for us. As Smoke Loke, thoughts on Greg Hardy and how you think his cardio will hold up against top 10 competition? Uh, tough question to answer off of what we've seen because all of his fights have been, you know, 30 seconds long. Yeah. But um, the only thing I can say about that is he's a natural athlete. Uh, the NFL, not really a cardio type of uh, sport. You know, it's kind of a sprint and stop, sprint and stop. Um, many breaks. So I don't know how that's going to translate to MMA. But, uh, yeah, I mean, he's he's a natural athlete at, at heavyweight. And I don't see why his cardio would be an issue. Yeah, I don't so, think it will. I mean, like you say, he's a natural athlete. That's I pretty much had the same thing. I just feel like if he kept up with his training in general since he was cut from the NFL, then there's not going to be any major we'll, issues. We'll really see how his cardio holds up when uh when he goes against a wrestler cuz that's when you get tired, so. Very true. Yeah. Especially at heavyweight. Um Good luck. Last question. Uh this is from at Alt ALT Rankings MMA. He says, so many great bouts coming up in various promotions over the next few months. Are there any matchups you guys think are being overlooked or overshadowed in any way? I shoulder shrug on this because I, I, yeah. I don't know. Kind of I don't want to speak on um, what I don't know. But one that I think people are overlooking uh, now is Frankie Edgar against the return of the Korean Zombie. Ooh. Um, it's the headliner for UFC Denver, which is also the 25th anniversary of the UFC, mm-hmm. that card. Um, I think Cerrone and Mike Perry are getting talked about a little more because of this whole beef with uh, Cerrone and the Jackson Wink camp. And uh, Frankie and the Zombies kind of been thrown to the wayside, but Zombie has a lot of fans. He hasn't fought in a year and a half. I think he tore his ACL. Mm. Um. And then obviously Frankie is a fan favorite, and even though it's the headliner, I think it's kind of been tossed to the side a little bit by some people. And yeah, that I mean that's that's the one that I would say has been uh, overlooked a little okay. bit. I think it's gonna be a fantastic fight. Oh, it's gonna be incredible! I'm always in support of Frank Yeager, and I think Korean Zombie is a phenomenal talent. So yeah. that is gonna be insane. Well, ladies and gentlemen, that's it. We're gonna wrap this one up. It's Fight Stance Podcast, episode five. It's a good one, man. Sounds good. Um, that's all I got. Yeah, go follow us on Twitter at Fight Stance Pod. That's Fight Stance P-O-D. Myself, Fight Stance Flex. And myself, Fight Stance JC. All right, ladies and gentlemen, that is it.